Hello, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series in which we interview KPMG leadership and subject matter experts, as well as third-party and client executives and thought leaders on key global business, socioeconomic, and geopolitical market trends and topics. My name is Stan Lapique, the lead market research and thought leadership effort for the KPMG Global Management Consulting Practice, and I'm your host for this podcast series. And I'm pleased to have with us here today Mr. Robert Bolton. Robert is a member of the UK firm where he's a partner. He also has a couple other hats. He's part of the Global Advisory Service Line and also heads up the Global Human Resources Center of Excellence. So, Robert, thank you for taking time to join us here today on Advice Worth Keeping. Thank you very much, Dan. Robert, you and I were talking a few weeks ago. We were going through some of the research from a market study KPMG did earlier this year on the future of operations, which is a big topic, but a big piece of that had to do with how organizations are increasingly adopting automation, and that could be robotics process automation, machine learning, artificial intelligence. So it's a big space, but there's a lot of optimism about the benefits these technologies can bring from a cost reduction standpoint or from the standpoint of improving the insights that organizations can learn from their wealth of data. And there's also concerns around these technologies in terms of the impact they'll be having on workforces. Will firms have the people they need with the right skills to take advantage of these technologies? And probably most obviously for members of the firm that might see some or all of their jobs automated, what happens to them? So I know this is a topic you've looked at quite a bit. I know you're familiar with the research findings. Is there anything specifically you're seeing? I know you're a global traveler. Are there any trends you're seeing in terms of different parts of the world in terms of their adoption of intelligent automation or how they're addressing them from a talent standpoint to start out? Or is this common global phenomenon where these technologies are going and how organizations are adopting them? I think if I look at the global landscape, that certainly North America and other, if you will, developed economies, UK, Australia, there is significant experimentation. There's piloting. And in those geographies, they're beginning to scale, to use the jargon, extend the footprint of these technologies. I don't think it's yet commonplace. It's not necessarily widespread, but it's definitely gaining ground. And in other geographies, there is less of the piloting, but more of an awareness that these technologies are going to impact, they're going to impact relatively soon, and that responses need to be put in play and capabilities need to be built, such as governance capabilities, such as building and thinking about the workforce of the future considerations and all of those things. So that is now pretty much a global concern. When I talk to colleagues in China, in India, They are absolutely now at the point where they are seeing clients say, for example, how can KPMG help us think about what our workforce of the future needs to be by the middle of the next decade? Now, that's a question that we were confronted with in the places like UK and US last year. And now this year, that same question is being expressed pretty much globally. So obviously a very big question and a very important topic and one that we could spend many, many podcasts going through. What's your advice to listeners on this podcast when they think about 
the workforce of the future? What are some of the key things they should be considering? And going back to the market research we did on intelligent automation, is the workforce of the future all about dealing with automation, or are there other dimensions of that that they need to think about as they plan for their three, five, ten-year future of their workforces? The challenge that organizations face with the adoption of this technology is the fact that it has a task-level impact. In spite of all the hype and the newspaper headlines, it's less about whole jobs disappearing in organizations and much more about tasks within jobs. There may be a sizable proportion of tasks. You know, you could be looking at like 30% of a role or a job where there's significant impact, not necessarily full-blown automation. It may be cognitive augmentation, for example. But if you're going to have a significant amount of task-level impacts on the workforce, then I think that raises a whole bunch of quite significant and sophisticated challenges about how you react to that and plan for it. Not least the fact that unless you reinvent how you organize the workforce, then those task-level impacts won't really lead to much in the way of productivity improvement. And this is the key finding that we have explored and researched with our clients and indeed with academic partners such as Imperial College, where you know, the accumulation of task-level impacts means that you have to reinvent the workforce in order to access the productivity gains. Otherwise, all you will have is an accumulation of arms and legs impact. Let me give you, I think, a simple analogy that hopefully brings the point home. Imagine you're used to building a Lego castle based on the fact that you're given a box of Lego and you have the picture of the castle on the box and you have all the bricks that you need to build the Lego castle. You copy the picture on the box and lo and behold, after a half an hour, an hour, three hours, if I'm involved, <laughs> you've got your Lego castle. Now, imagine I'm going to take apart your Lego castle. I'm going to put your bricks in a bucket, and I'm going to remove a good number of those bricks. I'm going to remove 30% of those bricks. I'm going to throw in some other bricks, shapes, colors, sizes you've not had before. And I'm just going to hand that bucket back to you and say, build something. That's the workforce challenge. The need for leaders of organizations to reimagine their businesses and how the workforce is organized, but without copying some off-the-shelf template. This is an exercise in innovation, in creative thinking, in design thinking. And you have to think about, well, what kind of organization are we going to build? And doing it well, you will attain market leadership. You'll be the disruptor in your market sector. Doing it badly, like doing it slowly, seeking to copy other people, that's not going to lead to market leadership. But that's the challenge. Hopefully, the Lego brick analogy relates, Dan. It does. And I'm thinking, if I'm running an organization, I don't want to have a holy grail swamp castle that just falls down, burns over, and sinks into the swamp. What do I need to do to reinvent my workforce to build the castles of the future? Because I think you make a key point that Perhaps in the past, there's been the idea that you could be a fast follower and learn from the leaders at a more leisurely pace. But I think what we're seeing with some of these technologies and the need to change both how you structure your workforce, but also the actual workers you have, that being a laggard here, the penalty could be much greater than it was in the past. Where are organizations at with reinventing their workforces and what are some of the yeah. key things they need to do to do that successfully? Well, what we advocate is something that we've termed workforce shaping. 
And what it isn't, it's easy to say what it isn't. It isn't strategic workforce planning. The problem with strategic workforce planning is it's often an activity undertaken by HR, within HR, often with HR as the audience for the output. And it falls down at the first fence, which is simply to take your existing workforce and roll it forwards in time, say roll it forwards three years out, thinking about demand factors, supply factors, you understand what the gap might be and then you close the gap. The problem is that that is just rolling forward your whole current way of organizing the workforce and you're locked into effectively the past by seeking to roll your current workforce forwards in time. So we advocate workforce shaping which is much more scenario-based around different business futures for your organization, for your enterprise, and to look to the end of the next decade. And where we've done this with organizations, we've explored quite distinct and different business futures. And then we've looked at the workforce implications of these business futures, including the rate at which technology might be adopted and where the technology might be adopted. But the technology isn't the only thing. It's technology and strategy and business model and operating model that all have to be thought through. And then you translate that into the workforce implications. And with one organization that we worked with, where we had three very different business futures, it was very clear there were some common no-regrets bets, we called them. So this was an insurance client. We looked at three very different business futures, but actually it didn't matter which one of the futures may actually be the truth in terms of what happens. It's important in workforce shaping that you keep these scenarios alive and in play. You understand the probability of these scenarios, but it didn't matter which one may be the one that turns into truth. There were some commonalities that applied across for this insurance company. Those commonalities were around the way in which the role of underwriting would change, the way in which customer service would change, the importance of design thinking, the importance of platform technologies, the importance of behavioral economics, the importance of moving into adjacencies that isn't just the core business of insurance. All of these things had workforce implications and a number of them were these no regrets bets, which meant that you could immediately start to think about, okay, there's a significant reskilling agenda. Is our learning function geared up to deliver the level of reskilling that's implied by the world of the middle of the next decade. There were immediate actions that could be taken on things like learning and development, as I've said, career paths, the nature of how the workforce would be organized in terms of core permanent employees and a wider workforce that included contingent workers and indeed the workers that might be in third-party organizations and partner organizations. So all of these things can be thought about through the lens of the business scenarios. And then that informs priority investments and talent management activities in the here and now. Although I am seeing many organizations talk about the fact that we know that this workforce of the future thing is important. We know we need to be concerned about it. And then the very next thing they say is, but what do we do? Where do we start? What's our first steps? And I believe the first steps are Start to think about the business scenarios with the business. Translate those into the workforce implications and gather the data, most importantly, that allows you to model the different workforce scenarios and think about the different ways that you can organize the workforce and manage the workforce as a total workforce. It's a bit of a long answer, but it was a big question, Stan. <laughs> so it sounds like very much workforce shaping is a corporate team effort 
from identifying and defining and exploring business scenarios to then taking that down to the level of what does that mean from a retraining and reskilling effort. So it's something where HR could play a very important role, but I would obviously think you're going to need business unit leads and executive leads. Our organization is typically able to pull these groups together to focus them on this larger effort of workforce shaping, which has a lot more to do than just shaping the workforce. It's a very good question. First of all, I don't see necessarily that HR functions have the evidence-based skills, the business scenario skills, the disciplines involved in workforce shaping. They don't necessarily have all of that. So there is an element of beginning to build it. Workforce shaping isn't a once-and-done activity. It's a continuous, ongoing, disciplined process and conversation at the enterprise level. I was speaking just last week to a global manufacturing organization. They've got a new global CHRO, and she was telling me that the organization made a deliberate choice in their situation to recruit her because she didn't have an HR background. She had a background in running a strategic business unit for another organization. And the reason why she was appointed as the global head of HR is precisely to address this issue about HR engaging with the rest of the business and facilitating and nurturing and nudging and challenging the rest of the business to take the workforce of the future agenda seriously. So it was about HR as, if you will, consultants to the rest of the business and provocateurs to the business unit leaders And it was felt that in the instance of this organization, that they needed someone that didn't actually have a deep HR background as the person to lead that charge. Now, in other organizations, there are very capable leaders of HR who are extraordinarily well connected with the C-suite. They're part of the C-suite. They challenge the C-suite. And they are advocates for getting the workforce agenda right and the people agenda right. Those are the people that will find this task easier. The organizations that will find workforce shaping much greater challenge are the organizations that are more concerned about HR as simply the deliverers of HR services and processes and less about HR as a value-driving, enterprise-wide critical success factor. I'm wanting to big up the role of HR and the importance that HR has in workforce shaping. But I do see that some HR functions in organizations, it doesn't matter which sector, this applies to all sectors, don't really have the capabilities, they don't have the connectivity to the rest of the business to challenge it and to lead the conversation. In fact, our HR survey that is just published this week, the Future of HR survey, clearly identifies two camps. There are those in the know, K-N-O-W, These are the people that have woken up and are addressing the workforce of the future challenges. And there's an equally sizable grouping where we're saying they're in the NO, the NO. And they are the organizations that are thinking, actually, all of this workforce of the future stuff, it's just hype. That's an interesting point you've made on the leadership of HR. And I think it's not dissimilar to what we've seen in information technology, where the role of the CIO went from being the person who understands how technologies work to the person that knows what to do with it for the betterment of the organization. So I think when we hear a lot about the concerns over the future of the workforce, will we have skills shortages? Will we have massive layoffs? Will this technology be a benefit or a detriment to the workforces globally? It sounds like it's the classic, it depends. The organization really 
can do their workforce shaping, can really see their future and figure out what they need to do with their workforces, there's optimism. And for those organizations and their workers that don't do that, there's pessimism. So it sounds like it's not so much about the technology. It's about thinking about the future business scenarios and what to do with that. Would that be an accurate way to wrap up this discussion? Yep, that's spot on, Stan. That is absolutely right. It's a choice, really. It's do you want to get ahead of this, manage it, plan it, shape it? for want of a better word, or will you let it just happen to you? In the former, there's a good chance that your workforce can be reskilled. There may be some painful transition for some parts of the workforce, but you're going to be in charge of your destiny. For the latter, perhaps that's a much more pessimistic scenario. Okay, Robert, well, as always, thanks for your time and your great insights today. This has been very helpful for our listeners to understand what they need to be doing about this technology versus just hoping how great it's going to be or fearing it. And also, you did mention the great new piece of research you have, The Future of HR, is coming out. For our listeners, there will be a link off the landing page for you to be able to get that research. Dan, if I may add, Rise of the Humans yes. 3 as well. Okay, this week. great. So... Future of HR, Rise of the Humans 3, all listeners should definitely check that out. So, Robert, again, thanks for your time. Thank you very much, Stan. And you can find the links to the items you referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com slash US slash podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation. 